Hey, welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris is out for the night, but he'll be back tomorrow. Looking forward to having him on. That was Will Senna of the New Bedford Light that you heard in the last hour. Um, he, again, uh, did a great report with the New Bedford Light and ProPublica uh, about uh, private equity and how private equity has squeezed a lot of the profits from the fishing industry at the expense of the, the local seafaring workforce. So you can check that out on newbedfordlight.org. Um, and you know, when we get the podcast up, uh, you can listen to that interview again. Again, I, I thought a really great discussion with, uh, with Will. He's a good reporter. He's doing a lot of good stuff. They're doing a lot of good stuff there at the New Bedford Light. And I like the relationship that the station has built, uh, with them through, you know, Tim's, uh, weekly segment with Jack Spillane and, you know, a lot of the great work they're doing over there. 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Hey, good, e- good evening. Thanks for calling. Yeah, hi, this is Brad. Oh, Brad hey, Markey. Brad. Okay, different line, but uh, I appreciate you calling it. So yeah. Ward 1 City Council, Brad Markey, chair of the uh, City Council Committee on Finance. Uh, I'd say probably one the most important committee, at least one of the most important committees uh, on the City Council. And, uh, you know, we're doing a uh, Comments from the Council segment here every night, and we're uh, getting uh, reactions from City Councilors uh, right after the meetings um, to talk about what happened. And so... You chaired the city and uh, city council uh, finance committee uh, meeting tonight, and um, what did you guys uh, go over? Okay, well, we had two items on the agenda tonight. Um, one of them was actually a, uh, a lease. Uh, the airport, I don't know if you know, you don't know, but owns land around the airport, and they lease out the land and with the buildings on them. So there was actually uh, the, the mini storage that's up there on Mount Pleasant, and it's going through some changes with ownership, so they redid re- re- the, the, the lease. And anytime that happens, it has to come in front of finance, uh, basically the city council, that will go to finance the city council. So what, what, they, what they wanted to do was there was about 17 years left on the lease in order to make this, this purchase go through. They needed to add some more years, so they added some more years to it, and then they adjusted and, and put down you know, the, the, uh, the rents and everything else that went down. So that's what we did on that one t- today, and um, that way the people who owned it could sell it, and of course the city of New Bedford gains by getting the rents, and also too, not only do they pay rent, but they also pay the taxes on the property. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good uh, you know, good win for the city of New Bedford. Absolutely. Speaking with Brad Markey, um, Ward 1, that's actually in your ward, right? The airport? Yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so we're speaking with Brad Markey, Ward 1 City Council Chair of the Finance Committee. You said you had uh, two, were those, the, is that, is that, that, I, that that encompassed the, the entire agenda? Nope, that was just the first one, okay. and, it, and it did get passed. And the second one was the uh, CIP, the Capital Improvement, and what that was was for $11 million, well, actually $11,170,000 bond. And so what the bond is, we borrow money in order to do capital improvements in the city. Um, and, and some of them are public safety, um, ambulances, fire trucks, and things of that nature, road work, um, you know, anything to do, public safety, just a couple of, you know, we had public safety management software upgrades, uh, public safety annex, MIS communication equipment. So what, what these will do is we will bond for all the things that need to get done. Some are structural with the buildings um, over at the DPI fleet and maintenance. They're going to work on a, uh, um, a building to work on the trucks. Right now, they're in a makeshift type of tent. So there are things that they need. So what they do is allocate the monies that they need, and they, there'll be several projects, and then, then they'll go out and they'll bond for those projects. And that's how, then that's how those will be paid for. It, and they'll bond them over 20 or 30 years. All depends on um, 
you know, what the best rate is we could get. I mean, a, a treasurer and our CFO, they work on that in order to get the best rates and the best terms for, for the city. Right, and a lot of that does depend on the city's um, the city's bond rating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, Brad Markey, chair of finance in the New Bedford City Council. So, uh, is $11 million, like, is bonding, uh, like, that type of expenditure, is that normal course of business? Does that happen, you know, once a year, twice a year, once every month? Is, is What type of expenditure is that? Basically, it's, it's once a year um, okay. when we do it do it out. So they'll, they'll take projects that they want to do over that year, and, and, they'll, and they'll bond it. And usually what happens is, you know, you have... So this happens yearly. So we'll say we'll bond this this year. Well, another one's already matured. So you don't keep keep raising the bar up and up and up. You try to keep that level tax. So one will mature. You put another one in, and it's it's a perfect way to to do things around the city. Um, you know, a lot of times you have deferred maintenance. You put it off, put it off, put it off, and now it's too late. Now it costs you even more. So what this program is is to stay on top of things, you know, and make sure. If things get done, bottom line, you know, and an upgrade. Um, like one of this is for a taser. So, you know, so we could go out and we'll bond, so we'll get money for tasers so we could upgrade the police department. Um, we could upgrade this, the fire department on top of, as I mentioned, buildings and things. I mean, the zoo had a had a couple items on here uh, tonight, and, you know, one of them was um, actually to uh, make some, like, the public bathrooms and stuff, ADA compliant. Okay. They're out of compliance. Very important. Yes, and you got to keep them up because then you're going to get certified, and if you don't do that, you won't get certified. So, right. so there's a lot of things like that that need to get done, and, and it's it, I, I think it's a worthwhile program um, because by bonding it, you know, it's, you're spreading it out over 20, 30 years, so it's not a big hit, you know, to the taxpayers. And is that always, you know... It's it that's uh, you know basically the the city's sustainably able to pay off that bond over the, over the next twenty or thirty years. Like it hasn't that that type of bond doesn't. Uh, I'm speaking a little bit out of my depth here. Nope. I didn't go to law school to do math, so, <laughs> but uh, basically uh, it's it, you know sustainable way of of paying that. There's no it's not going to accrue a significant amount of debt for the taxpayers of the city. A formula put in by the state where you know you you can't go too far out. You know you have to have the ability to pay, and there is a we have things what they call affordability indicators, um, and they, they've been in place you know for a while. Uh, the last uh, CFO Iris Guy really worked with these here, and one of them is called outstanding debt is a percentage a percentage of per capita income. Okay, and what we do is we put a policy target of say six percent or less. Uh, the project ratio increase will increase, say, for this from 3.7 to 5. So it still puts us under. Uh, there's another one. It's outstanding debt as a percentage of assessed valuation, which is the valuation of, of properties. Um, target is 3%. Um, we're at 1.3, and this would bring us up to 1.5. So, again, we stay under. So as far as I think your question was, you know, do we have the ability to pay these bonds and everything? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, again, you couldn't overextend yourself even if you wanted because there are rules and regulations that you have to abide by. But we do this just to make sure we stay at a comfortable level. We don't want to go too high. And, you know, so and that's what keeps our bond rating so good and, and everything else as we go along. Oh, it's good to know. Um, yeah. 
So we're speaking with Ward 1 City Councilor Brad Markey, Chair of the Finance Committee in the City Council. So, you know, as Chair of the Finance Committee, of course, and we talked a little bit about this with Council President Abreu on Monday, but as, as City Council, uh, the Chair of the, the Council Finance Committee, you know, you, you play a big role in, in the, you know, how the how the budget is essentially put together. You guys recently passed um, the budget. Do you have any general thoughts? Um, were there things that you that were cut that you, that you thought shouldn't have been cut? Were there things that weren't cut that you thought should have been cut? Well, I mean, we, we did cut quite a bit out of this budget, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. There was some, like when you cut, cut out of GGU, um, you, you can take some cuts out of GGU, and you know, but you have to replace those because GGU are the bills, like you know, our uh, trash pickup contracts in GGU. Can you can you can you can you spell out that acronym for us? Do you know it? Yes, general government unclassified. Okay, gotcha. so what that would be it would go. That's like the category, and again, it would be like I said, the, you know, the contracts for the trash pickup yeah, and, right. and such. So that pops in there. So that's got to get paid. You know what the contract is. But you can always, and I think, you know, if you if listen to some of it, a lot of it is um, vacancy savings, you know, where the, what happens is you, you, they'll budget for, say, a, a full contingency of whatever department, and you're hoping you're going to fill those. But if you don't fill them, you're going to have the excess. So what will happen there, they'll take that, and they'll kind of, like, backfill other areas. I mean, it's... That's just how how they work things. So we did cut quite a bit, and then the only concern I would have is, you know, with things going up, uh, the cost of everything is going up, as you well know. You know, hopefully it doesn't go up too high, you know, where things just get more expensive, and now our costs are going to get more expensive. And, of course, once the budget's set, the budget is set, you know, so you have to kind of abide by all of that. Right. We're speaking with uh, Ward 1 City Councilor Brad Market. You talked about um, bringing the – bringing the uh, zoo up to ADA compliance and all the expenses that get incurred. I know you guys just hired a um, executive director, a really well-qualified one, and a lot of that uh, salary is going to be expensed at uh, by a nonprofit organization and no to to no added expense to the taxpayers. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion around the zoo being uh, essentially, I want to say privatized, but maybe given to an NGO or, or, or a nonprofit. As chair of the finance committee, do you, would you think that would be a prudent um, way to handle the, you know, the, 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 that asset? You know, that, that's something that you hear about it, and there are some councils that feel that should be done. Um, it, it probably would work. I mean, there, there are other zoos that do do it. Um, you know, with the zoo, they do generate income and, and money, you know, with dues and, and with entrance fees, et cetera, et cetera. So they do generate some cash there, but we do put along. But they also have the Zoological Society that raises money and puts money into it there. So, I mean, that would be something, I mean, I guess I could go either way. I kind of honestly like the fact of the city having a zoo. I think it's a great zoo. Um, take yeah. a lot of pride in that zoo. So I, I always like to tell people this is the city of New Bedford Zoo. And I, and I really think, too, I know, you know, we, we save monies for road repair and everything else, but I also like to see things like that in the zoo. So you could be proud of, in, 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 instead of looking at the street, getting a patch, I go to my zoo and I can do this, and, as well as other things around the city. So um, I don't know. I mean, it, could it work? I'm sure it could. You know, right. and it, it would have saved the city money Possibly, I guess it would. How much? I don't know. I haven't really seen any numbers on it. Right. But, um, you know, it. I guess it's something I know. And I, I was talking to somebody last two nights ago. They say this went talk about privatizing went back into the seventies and eighties. So they've been talking about there for a while. 
why it hasn't gotten any further, I don't know. I'm assuming there's a reason behind it, but something definitely to look into, I guess, you know. As far as why it didn't fly. Like right now I'm not touting to privatize it. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just been it's just been a general discussion topic. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's actually sat down and said, Okay, how can we do this? Right, but it's just right. uh it's stuff people like me talk about. So um the South Coast tonight, we're with uh, we're joined by Brad Markey, Ward One City Council Chair of the Finance Committee. So, uh, is there anything else coming up in the Finance Committee that the you know that the people should be uh, aware of? I don't know how far ahead you set your agendas. Yeah, well, actually, I've got um, right now. I mean, right now in the summer, things I'll be honest with you get do get a little slow mm-hmm. as far as things coming down the pike. But that's good. So I set my agenda. I got a meeting every month because you just never know when you need one. So right. I, I planned it, and if I don't need it, we can cancel it. But right now, the next on the agenda, whether it will be in August or not, it all depends when it comes through, is that, I don't know if, you know, the New Bedford School Department and their central kitchen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that would be, they're going out, they're working, and that's going to be a $5 million bond. Okay. Yeah, but the beauty of that one is the cost of taxpayers, well, of New Bedford, nothing. Because um, how that works is when, when they do these meals, this the you're paid for by the federal government, and I guess some state as well. So they do make a profit off of these. Mm-hmm. And, and what the school department is, they can't buy real estate with the money. Right. But they can rent or lease. They can buy equipment. So how we were going to, how we work this out is, we buy the building, and then they 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 renovate it, they renovate it, and they put the buy the equipment in it, put it in there, and then we, we they pay rent on it. And also, which which kind of we negotiated it, and the school department understood, and they were they were real good. We work well together. Obviously, is also you know that obviously was a private building at one time, so pay taxes into the city. Right. Well, what we did on that is this is your rent, and this is what our taxes would be, and rolled it all in. So the city did not lose anything on that on that you know, this purchase here, and it's guaranteed by the school department, so it doesn't cost, I say it doesn't cost the city of New Bedford any money, it costs, obviously, we all as taxpayers on the federal and state level, yep, that's where the money's coming right. from, but yeah, so it, it won't cost, the, you know, the taxpayers in the city of New Bedford any money, and it's a great program. So, and, and yeah, that's, um, if you could just talk about a little bit of what, what the central kitchen is. I had Scott Lehmer on Ward 5 uh, sometime last year uh, yep. on my old show to talk about it, because that's, that's in his ward, right? Yes, yes it is, yep. So what, what is the, the central kitchen? What's the function of it? Okay, what, what it does, it actually cooks meals for all the schools. So, you know, you have all the, all the schools that don't have kitchens, and so they would, you know, would do the, do the meals there. Then there's before school programs, breakfast. Uh, lunches, and now all students get free lunch in New Bedford. So what this does, it allows them centrally to make all these meals. And then they, then from there, they deliver them to the schools. Now, there are still schools that have kitchens. Some of the newer schools have the kitchens, and they also would kind of supplement the other schools. So this would allow, and that program is growing because of the breakfast, because of the lunch, and I think right. there's some even after, you know. So it, it, it allows us. We basically outgrew where we were which was in the old New Bedford, New Bedford High. Right. And uh, so now, and this is basically called the Central Kitchen because it's centrally located. So it, it's, it's going to be a great asset, and it, this is just going to keep growing, so it gives them the space to grow. They can put everything in one location and then service all the schools. That sounds pretty exciting. So yeah. Lots to look forward to. So City Councilor Brad Markey, Chair of the Finance Committee, uh, Councilor from Ward 1. Uh, I appreciate you joining me today, uh, you know, talking about what happened in your meeting tonight and, you know, what's to come. Uh, I look forward to uh, talking with you more in the future.
Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. Sounds good. Ward 1 City Councilor Brad Markey, um, I appreciate him coming on, chair of the Finance Committee, doing a lot of great work there on the City Council. And uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Of course, I'll be taking your ch- uh, messages on the WBSM app chat as well, and I can read them on air. Um, so uh, that's it. Yeah, I'll, um, I'm going to take a break now, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus, normally joined by Chris, but as uh, the song suggests, I'm riding solo tonight. Uh, Chris will be back tomorrow. Looking forward to getting him back on the air and uh, and talking about the things that matter. Um, like the uh, like the rejoiner said uh, after the commercial break, you know, you're getting live reactions to what happens during the day. Uh, just like when um, City Council Brad Markey just called in. Uh, Brad Markey is the Ward 1 City Councilor. He is the chair of the Finance Committee. Uh, he knows math. I don't uh, know much math, um, you know, to be frank. Uh and uh, he was able to teach me something, uh, and I hope he was able to teach you something too. I learned, I definitely learned a lot from that uh, interview, and I hope you did as well. That's the type of product, that's the exact type of product we're looking to give you here, not just on WBSM, but on South Coast Night specifically. You know, we're hearing from counselors, you know, right after the meeting, getting their live reactions to it. And learning, uh, you know, about the day-to-day operations of, of how they um, how they do their job. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on. Uh, and, you know, the first, uh, no, the second hour of the show, from 8 to 9, we were joined by Will Senna out the New Bedford Light, who I thought, one, did a, did a great job in that segment, right? I really enjoyed the conversation. And I'm getting a lot of good reception uh, from people messaging me personally, saying that it was a great conversation. And uh, that the report itself is is very um, revelatory uh, in its you know exposing of of you know who exactly has you know where the profits are going from the eleven billion dollars that's generated here in the port of New Bedford. And again, uh, there's a lot of history behind how we got to that point. A lot of local lore uh, that we were able to really dive into. And it was good local conversation and other callers, um, you know, we got callers that responded really well to it too. And uh, I was really excited about that. Like I, like I said, I like the, um, I like the partnership that we have with the new Bedford. Like they're doing, they're doing good, they're doing good work, uh, particularly in the, in that area of, 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 um, you know, covering what's happening in the fishing industry. You've got Will Senat's work with ProPublica with this big report. And then you've got, um, you know, some of the work that, um, you know, the work that Anastasia Lennon's doing on the on the skull placing. And we, we covered that a little bit, you know, because it ties into that story. Um, but New Bedford, and you, you hear Jack Spillane on, on Tim's show. So they're doing some, they're definitely doing some good work over there. And uh, we're, we're happy to, to have a, a local partner um, that's going to, you know, dive into these, you know, long form type of stories that we can have, um, you know, an open discussion about uh, it, the um, on air, you know, I think, you know, this is the perfect medium to, to facilitate um, that type of discussion uh, because one, it's, you know, auditory it's audio you can hear it and two it's interactive you can call in you can message us on the app chat and um you know i've been really 
uh, excited and 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 uh, heartened by by the by the strong responses we've gotten from the callers and from uh, you know from the mess the the people who are messaging uh, uh, Chris and me and and saying you know that they enjoy the, this this new local product that that we're um, <clears throat> that we're presenting you here uh, at WBSM and, and more to come. You know I I did love my um, I'm really enjoying it so far. I did love my Saturday slot. You know, I liked it. Saturday afternoons, uh, it was it was it was cool, right? It was cool. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm glad you know Jess Machado is able to steward it into, um, I'll say a different direction than than where I had it. But uh, I know she's going to do a great job with that uh, as well. And she was off to a hot start, uh, having uh, Sheriff Hudson on for the um, first program. We've got. Uh, a lot to cover in that race. There's, you know, it's an election season. Again, I have a column on WBSM.com that I'd like you to check out uh, when you get the chance. I talked about the state auditor's race and how competitive it is, um, how competitive uh, it is, not just in the Democratic primary, because a lot of times, not obviously just statewide, but even in the local races, the, the winner of the Democratic primary is going to win the election. It's not just at that, um, not just there, uh, not just uh, you know, not just in the Democratic primary, but on the uh, Republican uh, ticket as well. Uh, that there's a that there's a strong challenger where, as the other Republican candidates, doesn't seem likely that they'll be able to um, mount a serious challenge to the to the Democrat that's uh, that's going to emerge from that race. So you can check out that column that I have on uh, WBSM.com. You can check out Chris's column too. You know, Chris talked about the the advocates that were um, his first column, uh, you know, when you returned uh, on air and back to the show, his first column was actually about the uh, the mental health advocates uh, that were um, unavailable uh, on the 4th of July, uh, 4th, of, 4th of July weekend, 4th of July night. And, you know, we learned a lot about that story. You know, you heard over the scanner um, that, you know, they weren't available, right? And then we heard... That they were, uh, that they, you know, we heard that they weren't available. Then we heard that they were available uh, from MVPD, and we heard that they were available from uh, the director of of emergency services at um, uh, at the child and family services. And uh, I know I think she's going to be on with Tim tomorrow. But there just seems to be a lot to unpack with that story. And it started with Chris, uh, you know, sitting by the scanner and. And uh, sitting by the scanner and just sort of discovering this, this, you know, I think fairly important local story. Because when we talk about, you know, mental health advocates and all of that in their role, you know, civilian mental health advocates in their role in policing, that's something that I think is being just explored a lot more, you know, in the wake of, of George Floyd and and some of the other, you know, incidents that have happened. There have been calls for... Uh, police reform, right? And, you know, this is a way, you know, the, the mental health counselors are having on, on-site trained mental, uh, mental health professionals um, might be, you know, because a lot is asked of a police officer, right? Uh, you know, you're, you're expected to respond to, um, you know, really fraught situations and, you know, not just be, you know, 
you know, not just be a police officer, but be a, a counselor, you know, be a, a, a counselor, a mental health counselor, you know, effectively talk somebody down from a situation. And so, you know, this is one of the important reforms a lot of, um, we'll say, reform-minded uh, uh, activists or policymakers um, have been pushing. So we'll, we'll see how, you know, how the, we'll see the response to this, how the story unfolds and, you know, where it goes from here. But I think that everybody would agree that, you know, uh, I think, a, you know, trained civilian advocates in a lot of situations um, is is not just good for, uh, you know, officer safety, but civilian safety, civilian and officer safety, I think are preserved, uh, by getting someone who's trained in, um, you know, in, uh, mental health behavior and, and, you know, trying to, uh, diffuse, you know, emotionally or, or fraught situations. Um, you know, a lot of people point to the situation in Atlanta that happened in a, I think a Wendy's parking lot, uh, last year, two years ago, where a, um, you know, an OUI stop essentially, uh, turned into a lethal incident. Um, and a lot of people said if there were a mental health advocate there, uh, it may not have necessarily led to that type of, um, type of situation. So I think, you know, New Bedford police is interested in, 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 in making that program a success and, uh, and hopefully, you know, the people are interested in making that program a success. And again, that, that was, that was highlighted by, cause I didn't even know that, honestly, I didn't even know that that program existed in, in New Bedford. So Chris not only revealed some, uh, what appears to be communicative, uh, communicative deficiencies, uh, or at least a brief communicative deficiency, on the 4th of July, um, on the availability of the mental health advocates or, you know, what situation they, you know, why they were there, why they weren't there or why they, you know, did they, were they not available? Did they say they weren't available or did they say, oh, this is an appropriate situation for a, uh, civilian, you know, response. But he also, I think, highlighted the fact that this program exists and that New Bedford police, you know, are aware of it and are actually, you know, asking dispatch to to bring these, um, you know, civilian uh, counselors to a situation. And, I, you know, I, I like to think I'm pretty caught, you know, I'm pretty caught up on stuff, but I didn't know about that program. And I think a lot of other people uh, didn't know about that program until Chris had brought it to our attention. And again, I think it's a worthwhile program. I think it's it's definitely worth exploring. 508-996-0500 is how you can get uh, on the program. So we were, t you know, one thing Chris and I were talking about last night um, a little bit was, uh, you know, just to take it not, you know, not super national, but, but national for a moment. You know, it is a midterm year here in Massachusetts. There's no competitive congressional races, right? There's really no competitive congressional races, not even in the primary. Last time there was at least, and it wasn't competitive, but there were at least some noteworthy primary races. You know, you had in the, at the congressional level, you, you know, you had Alex Morse, the mayor of Holyoke, uh, challenging the um, ways and means Ways and Means Chairman uh, Richie Neal out in uh, out in Western Mass didn't you know Richie Neal won handedly, but that was a noteworthy uh, challenge for a lot of reasons. That's not happening uh, a lot 
you know, that's not happening here in Massachusetts. Rhode Island, it looks like there might be Alan Fung in Rhode Island, and he's going to be representing a district that borders us here in Bristol County, right? It borders us here in the South Coast uh, in, in Massachusetts. Um, Alan Fung, a Republican mayor, the Republican mayor of Cranston, he was a um, two-time gubernatorial candidate against Gina Raimondo, was obviously, you know, unsuccessful, but might end up getting, might end up, you know, has a real shot at winning the um, uh, congressional seat vacated by uh, James uh, Langevin and, and, um, you know, you saw Jake Auchincloss endorse, endorse uh, Seth uh, Magaziner. You know, by the way, Jake, uh, Congressman Auchincloss is going to be on next. We're, we're planning on next week. I think midweek he's going to he's going to be joining Chris and I. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. He's a regular. Uh, he's a regular on the Marcus Farrow show. You know, my my predate the predecessor show to this. He's been on. Actually, he was on the Chris McCarthy show as well. I believe once or twice. Uh, well, I interviewed him on the Chris McCarthy show when he was a city councilor, a Newton city councilor running for, running for uh, Congress. And so he's going to be on, you know, he's, he's, I think doing, I really think he's hit the ground running in terms of his first congressional, um, his first congressional, uh, his first congressional term done a lot of, he's, he was on the house committee in transportation. So he wrote, he was, he played an instrumental role in getting that uh, infrastructure bill Push through. He's vice chair of financial services uh, in the house, so I think he's really doing a great job uh, in his first term. And he represents now the western half of the South Coast. You know, the South Coast is basically represented by him and Congressman Keating. Where you know Keating used to have piece of, a piece of you know all the way through down to a piece of Fall River, but now he's Fall River has been fully absorbed into Auchincloss's district. Uh, this this go around after redistricting. There was some controversy around that. If you'll remember Keating thought, uh, you know, Congressman Keating thought that um, Fall River and New Bedford should be together in a congressional district to uh, give it more bargaining power um, in a district. Uh, Congressman Auchincloss had taken the position that Fall River should be unified and that it would be better if it were a unified part um, of his district. Uh, turns out Auchincloss ended up uh, convincing the redistricting committee of, of, you know, of uh of his position and it, it went forward uh it went forward from there but anyway congressman Auchincloss endorsed um seth magaziner who's the state treasurer of rhode island and running for that seat it's i i, I know their districts it's a different state their districts border each other but it's strange that it i think it's strange that that situation even needs to really like occur like uh like chris said yesterday typically you have these typically you have you know congressmen like Auchincloss and I actually remember asking him last time he, he joined me on air because there was some talk some chatter about him getting a, a primary challenge he had a you know his primary race when he first ran when the seat was open in 20 uh, it was left vacated by Joe Kennedy in, in 2020 it was very close between him and, and uh, Jesse Mermel who's a former select woman from Brookline uh, worked for Deval Patrick uh, local activist and all that she's very nice I, I, I interviewed her as well when she was a candidate but it was a fairly close race um, you know frankly you know after Auchincloss got elected uh, and uh, I think really hit the ground running I, I don't think I think he would have won that primary anyway um, no disrespect to whoever would have run against them I guess but he he even said 
to me, when I asked him about his primary, I said, you know, you've been talking about uh, there might be a challenge from your left flank. Um, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because it seems like you've been, a, I think, a fairly uh, progressive uh, candidate supporting, you know, more progressive causes. And he, what he said was basically, um, you know, am I going to be fighting uh, a primary challenge here? Or can I go to other critical uh, districts in the House and, uh, you know, because we know that likely that very likely Democrats going to win this seat. Right. So are we going to go? Is he going to be able to go to closer, you know, closer districts across the country, maybe in like Texas or somewhere in the Midwest, West, where a Democrat has, you know, is holding on to a tight, you know, holding on to a congressional seat for dear life or able to uh, maybe take a seat? Can I go campaign with them or do I have to be stuck here doing a primary? That was his that was his position. And. So, you know, it's interesting that is, I don't know if he's made any other big primary endorsements. I'm on his press list. I, I read most of the emails. I don't read all of them because I don't, you know, sometimes they just, sometimes things fall through the cracks, especially I get a lot of emails. Um, but I know he endorsed, um, uh, Seth Magaziner in, in, um, in Rhode Island. So we'll talk to him a little bit about that next week but the fact that i think that endorsement even needs to happen i think is interesting you know it's a it's going to be a bad year for democrats the the typically typically the off year for typically an off year for um it's an off year for the party in power in the white house uh, is the mid, the first midterm year you saw it under obama right in 2010 he, he famously called it a shellacking Bush's first term, I think first midterms were okay. He, Obama got killed in um, in twenty fourteen too, but Obama's uh, lost the Senate. Um, part of the reason we have the Supreme Court, but it's neither here nor there. Bush's set, first term was okay. I think he got a lot of um, political uh, benefit from you know the aftermath. You know, he's seen his projecting strength after nine eleven and all of that. But two thousand six, he he lost he lost really badly. Uh, in 2006 uh, to the Democrats. They were able to take both chambers for the first time in like whatever it was, 20 years. Bill Clinton, famously the um, the Newt Gingrich revolution in the in the in in 94, lost uh, both chambers. And I don't think, didn't get either of them back for the rest of his term. And then uh, Reagan, of course, uh, Reagan, of course, Reagan lost midterms pretty badly. And I think George W, George H.W. Bush did too. So it's something that just typically happens. There's a lot of reasons for that I won't get into. Is it going to affect us around here? I don't think so. Maybe you might see Alan Fung uh, win that congressional seat down in, um, down in Rhode Island. Uh, I don't think, you know, uh, that uh, Shaheen, I'm trying to remember which, which uh, which senator the Senate race in New Hampshire? I think it's Shaheen that's up for re-election. They, they I think the only shot they had was they had Chris Sununu who who was thinking he was the go- he's the governor of New Hampshire. And Sununu in New Hampshire is sort of like a that's like a Kennedy, right? John Sununu was um, I believe the governor of New Hampshire, and I knew he was definitely George H. W. Bush's chief of staff. His brother was a senator uh, in New Hampshire, and Chris Sununu is the governor of New Hampshire. And so there was talk of him potentially. This the only, and I'm just thinking of ways, you know, there's New England, how it's going to affect us in New England. I don't think, though Chris Nunu ended up backing out. He didn't want to run. Um, so that was their best shot, really, because you had a statewide elected Republican, one with a very famous and recognizable name, right, in a, in a competitive, in a competitive uh, Senate election. 
I don't see that. I just don't see that. Um, really, I don't, I don't know if that's going to shake out for the Republicans. Uh, I think the California, uh, not California, Connecticut's uh, governor is might be in a little hot water. I know they repealed the um, they repealed the gas tax over there uh, in Connecticut, and I think a part of that was the governor felt like he was in um, in some hot water over there. Uh, but it turns out the gas tax didn't save them at really any money. The difference between Massachusetts and, and Connecticut repealing the gas tax, the difference between Massachusetts and Connecticut, I think, in the uh, average of prices is, is four or five cents, but all right, I'm going to take a break. We'll be back. Uh, this is uh, South coast tonight with Marcus. Hey, welcome back to South coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, I am, uh, riding solo today. Uh, Chris is, Chris will be back tomorrow. Uh, it's been a great couple of, uh, I guess three shows now. Um, if I do say so myself, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this time slot. Uh, sort of, it works for me. It works for me. I think it works for a lot of you, too. I can tell by the amount of call traffic we've gotten over the last couple of days that it definitely works for you. And, of course, we always take your calls at 508-996-0500. Uh, and we take your at, your messages on the WBSM uh, app chat feature. If you have the WBSM app, if not, I don't know what you're doing. You should you should get it. Download it. It's great. It works everywhere. Works I've listened to it when I was on a plane on the way to Mexico. I got to hear Chris, uh, you know, when he was um, he was hosting a show. That was a while ago. It was the last time I went oh, like oh, on a plane for vacation. It was 2019. It's a long time ago. I haven't flown in the post-COVID era. Uh, I've heard it's not great. But anyway... Uh, yeah, get the WBSM uh, app. If you, if you do, you can message me on the app chat feature. Of course, you can, again, you can always call in at 508-996-0500. I will say this because Chris isn't here and I can just say, and I can just uh, say what I want and it's unchecked. Uh, I haven't heard a good argument against this. Um, uh, uh, I, haven't a good, had, I haven't heard a good argument for the repeal of the Work and Family Mobility Act, which is the act that will allow undocumented uh, immigrants to apply for licenses. For driver's licenses. I haven't had a good argument, good faith argument for it yet. I've heard that all I've heard are just basically made up BS. Like it's going to, oh, well, they're going to be able to vote now. Right. And uh, non-voting residents in the Commonwealth have been able to get licenses for th like 30 years. I talked about this actually with Bill Strauss, chairman of the Trans Transportation Committee, you know, one of our reps here, my state rep. Um, on air and, and, you know, they've had, they've had licenses here for over three decades, you know, green card holding residents are able to get driver's licenses and we haven't seen a influx of voter fraud, uh, whatever that even is, uh, in, in Massachusetts as, as a result, uh, secretary Galvin said it's a, it's a non-issue. Um, it's a non-issue in the States that have this law. There's 12 other States, including Utah that have, uh, that have this law and there isn't mass there isn't widespread voter fraud in those states um i i mean that's really the only like the only like good faith argument i've heard and it's i think it's one that's rebuttable is um you know anthony amori and what he said was you know the republican running for state are what he said was well the dmv now has to be qualified in in verifying these these documents 
right? And I'm not too privy on what they're qualified, not qualified to do. Um, but, you know, you've either got to verify a uh, foreign birth certificate, passport, or uh, a license in one of those 12 other states. Because um, they would, you know, you get the, basically the full faith and credit of, of where that license, you know, that the, that that you went through the right processes there. He says they've really got to be trained to get the resources to do that. That's the only thing I've heard. The rest of it's really steeped in, frankly, xenophobia. All right, I'm going to take a break. We'll be back. After you go to flagshipins.com, you can go to wbsm.com. Check out some of the columns that I, I've been writing, Chris has been writing. Again, I got one on the state auditor's race, uh, one on the fishing uh, strike of 86 that's going to come out tomorrow uh, and again i gotta thank the fishing heritage centers just for being existing really and uh, you know having these uh, digital resources online that i could look at and having that great in-person exhibit that i could look at and and get information from to write about, about that important story thanks to will senat uh from new bedford light go check out his story it's really really good and thank you to brad markey for calling in i'll see you guys with chris tomorrow on south coast tonight thank you for joining me